Hello, I'm Michael Serapio, and this is the Primetime Politics Podcast. Tonight on Primetime Politics, reforming Canada's bail system. Will this government pass this legislation or get out of the way so we can reform bail? The Conservatives introduce a bill to make it harder for repeat violent offenders to get bail. It comes just weeks after Canada's Premier's call on Ottawa to address the issue. So how will the government respond? We will speak to members of Parliament. And... Our system is not working. Uh, it's not delivering for folks. A funding plan from Ottawa on health care and indications the premiers will sign on despite their initial disappointment. We'll talk about the negotiations behind closed doors and how the Trudeau government is feeling about the meeting of the first ministers. This is Primetime Politics. Hello everyone, I'm Michael Serapio. In recent months, we've seen several stories about violent crime in this country. They include troubling attacks on both the Vancouver and Toronto transit system and the death of a young Ontario provincial police officer killed in the line of duty, allegedly by a shooter who was forbidden to own a firearm and who was out on bail. The issue taking centre stage today in the House of Commons. After eight years of inaction, the bail system has never been worse. Canadians feel unsafe. 32% increases in violent crime. Gangland homicides up 92%. No more talk. Canadians want action. We are ready to start the process with bail reform on a very long journey. Will they help or get out of the way? Parliamentary Secretary. We will agree on one thing, that all Canadians deserve safety and that their government needs to take their safety as a fundamental priority. Where we don't agree is that there are foundational issues that relate to criminal justice problems and the overrepresentation of certain communities in our criminal justice system. Things like systemic racism, things like colonial legacies vis-a-vis -vis the Indigenous community. What I would reiterate is that what we need is the cooperation of all parties to tackle these multiple issues that lead to criminality in our society. When we address the root causes, such as mental uh, illness, such as addiction, such as systemic racism, that is where we can truly achieve the goal of keeping our communities safe. Now, in that snippet, you saw Conservative Frank Caputo, the Member of Parliament for Kamloops Thompson Caribou, a former Crown Prosecutor. He introduced a bill yesterday that would toughen the bail system in this country. He joins us right now to talk about that. And along with Mr. Caputo, we're joined by Greg Fergus, Parliamentary Secretary for the Prime Minister and the Liberal MP for Hall Elmer in Quebec. Hello to both of you. Hello, Hi. Michael. Listen, Mr. Caputo, I'm going to get you to start us out here. Uh, why this bill? Why now? Well, why this bill? Um, the reason is is, the, is really what you outlined earlier, Michael. The, the, the premiers have been asking for bail reform. Police have been asking for bail reform. And most importantly, Canadians have been asking for bail reform. After eight years of inaction, something had to give. And I didn't see the Liberals acting on this, and I thought, well, somebody has to act on it. So I felt that it was up to, to me and my Conservative colleagues. Uh, one of the reasons that we're looking at this specific aspect of the bill, a small piece of the bail pie, if you will, is because we are looking at really significant damage caused by a small group of people. That small group of people really carry out a disproportionate amount of firearms offenses and violence. So that's where we decided to start. 
you decide to start. But you know, Mr. Fergus, what's interesting here is Mr. Caputo talks about uh, the premiers as well as uh, other officials, conservative MPs. Your own minister, justice minister, says he is giving serious consideration to make changes to the system. So is the system broken? Well, I'd like to welcome Michael and, and the conservative. I'd like to welcome Frank and the Conservative Party, Michael, uh, to, uh, to, to 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 the discussion. This is a discussion that's been going on. As you know, the premiers have met on this issue. Uh, uh, they have shared a letter. Their ministers of justice and public security have already met on this in the file, and they uh, tasked their deputy ministers uh, to have uh, to continue the work. There've been ten meetings already. Uh, there's it's come coming up to an, another DM-level meeting, followed by a ministerial meeting from the federal and provincial ter territorial uh, governments very shortly. So, uh, you know, these issues, and, and we welcome uh, uh, Frank's bill, uh, we welcome the discussion, and we hope that he'd be open to, uh, to, to helping us uh, uh, craft this uh, uh, bail uh, changes, but it takes careful consideration. As my colleague uh, Arif Virani uh, answered in the House today, uh, there are so many issues at stake uh, that will allow to, that need to be a, uh, addressed to make Canadians safer. Uh, there are issues on mental health. We've just seen that very recently this week. We've seen issues on uh, addictions. We've seen uh, making sure that we have appropriate measures to get at those root causes so Canadians can be safe and that there wouldn't be risk of reoffense. And also just making sure that people have the right conditions and so which they would follow the law. Uh, Mr. Caputo, what do you say to that? Because, you know, when you do look at the issue, what the government keeps pointing to are things like the overrepresentation of certain groups in prison, which is what they're trying to address, the systemic discrimination and challenges that people face in life that leads them to prison. Is that not a concern? Well, it's certainly a concern, and uh, as a former prosecutor, I can tell you decisions like Gladue and the overrepresentation of Indigenous Canadians in our prisons is something that, that I'm deeply concerned about. I'm also deeply concerned about the overrepresentation of victims that, uh, that often come from marginalized communities, because it's often marginalized people and poorer people who are victims of gun crimes themselves. So this isn't just a matter of looking at one side of the coin. We have to look at all sides of the coin to keep Canadians as safe as as possible. When we talk about you know, who are we really looking at here and are we going to to put a lot of more people in jail, it's, it's my view that we're going after just a, a, a small segment again that creates a disproportionate amount of offending. I can tell you that it's it's rare to have somebody on the two prohibitions that I spoke of and on top of that um, be caught and, uh, and be alleged to have committed a serious firearms offense. But when you do come across those people, they present a substantial danger and it, it doesn't appear that the bail system is keeping those people detained and that's why we chose to start there. Yeah. Mr. Fergus, I, I, you know, the, the Justice Minister has said that he was uh, uh, already looking at reverse onus for firearm offenses, which in some extent addresses uh, what is in Mr. Caputo's bill. Why not just move it piece by piece. I understand the argument that you're making that it's multifaceted, there are different levels to this, but if, for example, you can just target one area and make a change far more quicker, why not do that? Well, look, I, I would hope that what we would try to do is as much as we can with what we have. So if the opportunity is there to do this and uh, take those bite-sized changes that you can make, 
I'm hoping that we'd be able to do so. That would stand up to sense. But, uh, Michael, I think you know a, a more important issue is still at stake here, and, and it's one which I, I know that Frank shares, given his background. You know, there there are there are two perks uh, really that members of parliament have, uh, and one of them is that we could visit a federal uh, incarcer you know, federal prison whenever we want. Um, we don't have to give notice. It's one of the first things I did as a member of parliament was to go visit a, a maximum, medium, and a minimum security uh, facilities in, in Saskatchewan. And the thing that really struck me was uh, it's really important that the people who we put in prison, they have to be the folks who are truly a danger to society. And for those who we can treat through uh, other or more targeted uh, 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 rehabilitation programs, let's do that. Uh, so that really we can making sure that we're keeping Canadians safe. Because the one thing you don't want to do is bring somebody who has a mental health issue that could be cheaply and easily cured with the right type of supports and then put them in jail and then have them come out really I think a worse person than when they went in. Uh, so we want to make sure that we do this right thing so that we keep Canadians safe. Uh, Mr. Caputo, I'll ask you to answer that. Well, certainly, uh, uh, MP Pergus probably doesn't know this, but I actually worked in the federal correctional system as a parole officer prior. Oh, you did know that uh, as a parole officer prior to uh, to going to law school. So I'm I'm very familiar with the, uh, the Correctional Service of Canada and 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 all of that entails. And we you certainly won't hear me disagree that the bottom line is that we keep Canadians safe. The question is how do we go about doing that? And you you referenced a reverse onus, Michael. There are reverse onuses currently in the criminal code. They're there, it's, there's no doubt about it. I believe that there's one, if you breach a weapons prohibition, that you are in a reverse onus on bail. The problem is this, the reverse onuses aren't having the desired effect. So if you actually look at my bill, it goes, it actually takes the reverse onus and really, really tightens it up quite a bit, especially when it comes to firearms related offenses. That's the, that's the goal here. So it's not just a matter of saying, look, we need a reverse onus for gun offenses. The reverse onus is frequently there when somebody's on a prohibition. We need to go further than that. And that's why I did table this bill to make that small hill to climb for somebody on bail who's prohibited and is alleged to commit a serious gun offense, we want to turn that hill into a much steeper hill. Mm -hmm. And if you will, just, just take a few moments here, explain how your bill does that. Well, what the bill does is, is it does it in a couple of ways. It's, it only targets people who have been prohibited from serious offenses, typically things like robbery, murder, assault with a weapon, or a judge has said you are prohibited from possessing a firearms because you meet the, the, the requirements to no longer have a firearm. And if you look at people then who commit a serious gun offense, like uh, possession of a, of a handgun with uh, loaded or with ammunition, pointing a firearm, discharge with intent, so that's like a drive-by shooting. If you fall into that category, we've said the principle of restraint should no longer apply. Furthermore, rather than having looking at bail as in, is there a substantial likelihood that the person will reoffend? We're just looking at whether there is a likelihood of whether people will offend. I don't want to get into the weeds of law here, but those are a couple of the of the salient points as to what the bill really aims to do. Yeah, and I think the challenge for for liberals here, Mr. Fergus, is the fact that you know many Canadians would look at that, and given what we have seen these last few months, would agree it's reasonable. What's your issue with that? 
Well, I, first of all, I think what we need to have is a discussion about this. One of the things we, we should always do is take a look at things that have worked and things that haven't worked. And one of the things which we've discovered that hasn't worked and that Canadians can all see is what's happened uh, south of the border. This isn't quite what uh, is in Frank's bill, but I'm, I'm just trying to give this in the right context. Uh, you know, the, the, the lock them up, throw away the key type of approach, as we've, as they saw in the United States, didn't work. As a matter of fact, you have a number of jurisdictions which you would never consider as being soft on crime, saying, "Look, we got to find a better way of doing this because uh, what, all we're doing is that we're increasing our jails, we're putting people who probably wouldn't have been uh, a danger to society, and putting them and mixing them with people who are, uh, and that's coming up with the worst results. So we have to take a look so we can avoid. If we're going to make mistakes, let's make new ones. We don't have to repeat the old mistakes of the past. Okay, quickly running out of time, but very quickly, uh, Mr. Fergus, uh, the, the minister, Justin Minister, says there will be an, a meeting soon. What's the timeline there? So uh, you're going to be seeing a meeting between the federal, provincial, and territorial uh, ministers of justice and public security uh, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, from you know, not much more, not much beyond the month, but certainly be the end of, before the end of the fiscal year. Okay. Uh, with that, I want to thank you for the time. Uh, sorry that we're out of it, but really appreciate the discussion. Uh, Frank Caputo, Greg Fergus, thank you. Have a great weekend. Thank you, Michael. All the best. Take care, Michael. Well, let's take a look now at the other stories making headlines on this Friday, beginning with the former Premier of British Columbia, John Horgan. Now, Mr. Horgan stepped down from BC's top job last year after receiving treatment for throat cancer. Yesterday, he told the legislature he's now cancer-free and today announced his next step will be to leave provincial politics altogether. Mr. Horgan is expected to step down officially sometime in March. Canada's hot job market continues its winning streak. Stats can saying 150,000 jobs were added in January. Analysts had only expected 15,000 new positions. It is good news for many, but might also lead to another rate hike from the Bank of Canada. Its next rate decision is scheduled for March the 8th. And the defense minister was in Washington today selling Canada's critical minerals for continental defense, but was also asked questions about the suspected Chinese spy balloon and why Canada did not shoot it down when it was in Canadian airspace. We were, as I mentioned, examining the trajectory and analyzing the balloon, including the height of the balloon and the contents of the balloon, and determined that it posed no imminent risk to Canadians at all. And of course, we were watching it very carefully to ensure that we were doing what is necessary to protect uh, Canadians, and we were doing that in the context of, of the NORAD relationship, of course, so that uh, when the United States made that decision to shoot it down, uh, Secretary Austin did thank Canada because we were making these decisions jointly about imminent threats. Meanwhile, the White House did announce that a second high-altitude object was shot down today. This time, shot down over Alaskan airspace. No word yet if the object was another Chinese balloon, but U.S. officials say it did pose a threat to civilian flight. Well, let's get back to bail reform and the other top stories of the week. That includes the meeting of this country's first ministers in Ottawa, where they did receive the federal government's offer on health care. Billions less than what the provinces were looking for and a deal the premiers will be talking about on Monday in a virtual meeting. 
And also this week, dissension within the Liberal ranks as Montreal area MPs speak out against their own government's Official Languages Act. Well, with more on the issues of this week, let's bring in our journalist panel for this Friday. Joël-Denis Bellevance is the Ottawa Bureau Chief for La Presse. Tana McCharles is parliamentary reporter for the Toronto Star. Bob, Bob Fife, excuse me, Bob, the Ottawa Bureau Chief for the Globe and Mail. Nice to see all three of you. Thanks nice for having you. us. So uh, we just heard from Conservative MP Frank Caputo, who did introduce that private member's bill. Uh, Bob, let's begin with you and the issue of bail reform. This is a private member's bill. They, they, they don't really uh, stand much chance of getting passed. How does this bill fare? What are the chances for it? Well, the bill's not going to pass Parliament at all, but the Conservatives are jumping on an issue that Canadians care about. A week ago, they were very successful when in helping uh, to force the government to pull back the gun legislation, and now they're on the bail reform. And, you know, the premiers have already jumped on this. They've sent a letter to the justice minister saying we need immediate action on rolling back the uh, bail laws that we now have in this country so that there is an onus put on people who are violent offenders with uh, involving gun crimes. The onus has to be on them to uh, tell uh, the bail reform people that they can that they have they can be let out. The onus mm -hmm. has got to be on them. This is what the Conservatives have been uh, jumping on as well. So it's going to be a feather in, in Mr. Polyev's cap regardless because he jumped out on the issue, the Premiers have followed uh, along with him, and the government, the Justice Minister has already said he's going to look seriously at this when he meets with his Justice Ministers very soon, Provincial Justice Ministers, so they are going to, the, the government is going to have to deal with this issue. Okay, I, I, I'll pick up on that point though because uh, two things really, because uh, yes, here you have a private members bill, but it was an opposition day in which it was introduced. You saw there behind Mr. Caputo the opposition leader as well as the justice critic, so, so really the full force of the party behind Mr. Caputo in that announcement uh, on Thursday. But the Justice Minister has already said it's an issue they're talking about, he's talking about with his counterparts. Does that in any way, Tonda, take away the argument or the power of the argument from the Conservatives? Only slightly. I mean, the fact of the matter is the Conservatives will score some political points on it, depending on how far uh, the government goes to narrow the ability to get bail, especially when it comes to firearms offenses. And that's what everyone's talking about. Uh, the premiers, um, big city mayors are concerned around gun offenses mainly and repeat offenders in that respect. And, you know, the premiers have asked for a more narrow crafting of it. The, the, the conservatives want it to apply more broadly. Um, there are big concerns in this country, however, about stacking up people uh, as a result of bail in jails, provincial jails, by the way, where there's really nothing. You're, it's dead time waiting for trials. So uh, there's a tension there. I think that you'll see the government try and keep it fairly narrowly focused on gun offenses and specific gun offenses and repeat offenders if they do move on it. But the fact of the matter is, you know, um, they moved a few, several years ago to respond to a court ruling that tried to address the problems more broadly in the jail system and the impact on um, indigenous and minority communities who tend to get bear the brunt of bad bail decisions so uh, I don't I don't see this government going too far down the road if they fear that it's going to have reverse sort of the impacts on 
uh, indigenous and minority groups. Yeah, and I was going to ask about that because, of course, uh, Bill C-75 is signature for the government because it does address the things that the Trudeau government has been talking about since day one, yeah. over-representation mm -hmm. of certain uh, communities in the incarceration system, the, the systemic uh, challenges and discrimination that actually lead people to jail. So, Joelle Denis, given that this was the signature piece from the Liberals, is there any way they can introduce an amendment, toughen anything up within those measures without actually losing face amongst their, their core group of supporters? Well, that's the big question. Um, and, and that's why you could say that you could see that the uh, Justice Minister is saying that he's thinking about it because he wants to make sure that he's got the right approach to it. But clearly the Conservative Party is trying to build a narrative of the next election. You've seen them focusing on the uh, economy, inflation, rising cost of uh, uh, living, but also they want to be portrayed as being tough on crime. That's been their bread and butter since mm -hmm. the Conservative Party has been around and they want to recapture that. And we talk about, you know, uh, early bails for some people, but in Quebec there was a big issue lately that caused a lot of uh, um, noise and it was the release of a repeated sexual offender into the community that, you know, got a lot of attention. So the pressure is not only uh, outside uh, Quebec, but also inside Quebec as a result of those actions that took place. And you know, those are easy slogans, right? They're easy yeah. political slogans. Yeah. Tough on crime, soft on crime, catch and release. Uh, but a debate around something like bail reform does call for a sophisticated yeah. uh, look at the justice system and the impacts and the resources that are in there in the system to either monitor people who get out on bail or make sure that trials are ha held speedily for those who don't get out You're on bail. You're not going to get that from the Conservatives. Look, when Stephen Harper was in power, he consistently brought in pieces of tough on crime legislation that the Justice Department said will never mm -hmm. pass the courts because they are in violation of the charter rights. Mm -hmm. He didn't care. He put them in because it was red meat for uh, his base. And then when the court struck it down, he said, see, look, the, these these judges are, are, uh, are not responding to the wishes of Canadians. And in doing so, we undermine faith in the, in the justice system or in the court system. And so the Conservatives are not going to bend on this. They see this as, as red meat for them with their base and for a lot of Canadians who, to Tonda's point, are not interested in the, in the intricate details of legislation. It just, you know, these are bad guys. Put them behind bars. Okay. Well, as we heard from Mr. Fergus as well, there will be, and also from the Minister of Justice, there is going to be an emergency meeting sometime soon, uh, Mr. Fergus says, uh, before the budget, so we'll keep an eye on that. Let's switch over to, to, to health care now, because obviously a huge topic with the First Ministers this uh, this week in, in Ottawa. Uh, Tonda, the provinces, uh, when we heard Heather Stephenson speak uh, right afterwards, mm -hmm. after their meeting with the Prime Minister, she, she used the word disappointed, and yet then quickly we see PEI, we see Newfoundland mm -hmm. Labrador, we see Ontario all saying we can work with this. Uh, are you surprised by that? Uh, no, I'm not because the meeting wouldn't have been held actually if they hadn't had at least a good shot of getting most premiers on board. And I'm told they have all governments indicating that they want to get those deals and that money into their springtime budgets. So I'm not surprised that while they said it's a disappointment, everybody had to put some water in their wine for the short term, because I think there was a, an impatience on Canadians' part, given everything we saw in ERs and hospitals, mm -hmm. the crisis in the system over the past several months, uh, impatience with the political toing and froing and you know passing the buck. I think people did want to see something happen. But look, this doesn't buy long-term peace. The provinces are disappointed. It is not a lot of money. It's not a lot of new money into the system. And there are already scheduled increases coming down the pike for them, and this is on top of that. 
So there's going to be some billions go back into the system. It will help. But over the longer term, I expect that we'll have a lot of these conversations again, unless there's more fundamental reform around primary care, uh, access to team-based medicine, uh, you know, broader access for, for Canadians to a, a GP, but also to put ease up on the ERs. So I don't think this is a discussion that's over. To me, uh, the big surprise was the rush of the Premier of Ontario, uh, Doug Ford, to conclude a deal with Ottawa. Mm -hmm. I think this is in the making already. Yeah. Up to a point where other Premiers, well, at least in Quebec, they're calling now Mr. Ford a spy among the Premiers. <laughs> for the federal uh, government oh, and and that is uh, quite uh, um, interesting because mm -hmm. the dynamics between mm -hmm. the federal government and the provinces are now more or less dictated by what Ontario does it used to be the athletic provinces who were in a rush to conclude these with Ottawa now Ontario is in the forefront and I'm told that uh, Ontario wanted to be the first province to conclude a deal with Ottawa as opposed to last time around when they reached a deal on daycare funding. They, well, were, they the were the last, last. they were the exactly. last one. Exactly. And certainly right. they took a political hit for yeah, being the last one because everybody in Ontario mm -hmm. with a child paying thousands but, of dollars yeah, for yeah, childcare. Yeah, I mean, aside from the fact that Ontario hopes to get more of that $25 billion in other provinces for the bilateral agreements, mm -hmm. Mr. Ford is working with Ottawa on a lot of other really exactly. important issues in the auto sector, uh, electric vehicles and batteries, uh, the ring of fire that they want to make some progress on yeah. up in Northern Ontario. So uh, Ford's got a bigger game than just healthcare. Mm -hmm. He's got uh, Christopher Freeland pointing out, uh, bringing in a budget that's going to uh, deal a lot with the auto sector and how we can respond to what's going on south of the border and the auto industry is in Ontario. And the truth of the matter is Doug Ford is a different brand of conservative than are some of the other conservative premiers like out Daniel west. Smith. Daniel Smith in Alberta, Scott well, Moe in Saskatchewan and He has become and less Stephenson. ideological in his time he in office. He absolutely has. Yeah. And so he doesn't, he doesn't <laughs> see himself as aligned uh, politically with uh, the, pre the conservatives in the west, nor frankly with Francois Legault, who Yes, is a small C conservative premier, but a nationalist premier. And, you know, Ford is, is sort of carving his own path for all those reasons. Okay. So obviously we'll keep following because the premiers will have their meeting on Monday. So much mm. more to talk about in the days ahead. But listen, Jean-Denis, and I'll ask the, the two of you as well, but I also want to talk about the, the, the government's Official Languages Act. They're, they're quickly trying to get this passed through despite the fact there are divisions within the Liberal Party, in particular members of Parliament uh, from uh, the Greater Montreal area. How is that issue playing out in Quebec? Very bad for the government because the government is trying to portray itself as the defender of both official languages, namely French outside of Quebec and even French in Quebec. And now you've got uh, uh, MPs, Liberal MPs from the West Island trying to torpedo the bill that the government presented. And now, in fact, it's the opposition parties that have a majority among, uh, within the uh, uh, Committee on Official Languages that is saving the bill as per se. So it's a very uh, bizarre dynamics. And I think it will have long-term effects because you saw an uh, Eastern Ontario Liberal MP, Francis Drouin, Drouin uh, taking a, a slam, uh, a shot at his Liberal colleagues from Montreal saying that what they're doing is uh, 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 scandalous, honteux uh, in French, and then that he uh, says that the, the, those people should not take the polit uh, linguistic uh, uh, policy of the government. So there is some infighting, and this reminds me that Usually, those infighting occurs when it's the end of a government, you know, era. Mm -hmm. And is it the first sign that this government is about to end 
um, it's 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 and it's years in power, maybe, but it's not uh, boding well for that government. Well, certainly that was the spin, and amongst the things that we were reading this weekend, this idea that that the prime minister was losing control of his caucus. What do you say to that, Tonda? I don't think he's lo losing control of his caucus. That's a thorny issue for him. But look, this caucus has still, there, there might be grumblings inside, but there's still a caucus that on many um, issues, if you talk to them about how they think the government's doing on X, Y, or Z, most of the time they're still on board with how the, the government's conducting itself. Um, but that doesn't mean to say that there isn't also some fatigue with Mr. Trudeau's leadership of the party, and that will be an unfolding story over the next two years. Mm -hmm. The problem is they risk Quebec. Yeah. 75 seats. Um, yeah. And they blew it up on the Islamophobic uh, advisor, which uh, did not go over very well in Quebec. And now you have this language dispute. If, if the, a lot of those voters decide to go to the Bloc Québécois, or some of them are in bleed off to the Conservatives, that's a problem for the Liberals, a big yeah. problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And again, not yet uh, passed, but something we're going to be watching very closely as it continues to make its way through committee. Uh, that's all the time we have, sadly. <laughs> I feel like I need to invite the three of you for brunch so we can continue this conversation. Uh, but for now, Tonda, Joe, Denis, thank Bob, you. thank you so much. Thank you, Michael. Have a good weekend. You too. Yeah. And that is our program for this Friday, February the 10th. For everyone here at CPAC, thank you for watching. I'm Michael Serapio. We'll see you again tomorrow.